Hello and welcome to the American Sheep Industry Association's Research Update Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Thorne. Over the years, how many times as producers have we asked ourselves simple questions like, which you in my flock has raised the most lambs? Or even, which animals are costing our operation money? How many times have I treated with this or that drug? Simply put, for a livestock operation, as in any business venture, record keeping is the foundation of proper management and genetic progress. From simple scratch paper to the latest digital technology, how and why we collect records will vary for most producers. But even if we have been diligent in data recording, it is always a good idea to revisit ways to improve and make this effort more efficient. With me today to share his broad knowledge on record keeping for several different production purposes and how technology can make this practice more simple is Todd Taylor, Sheep Research Program Manager for the University of Wisconsin-Madison. We're really glad to have you with us, Todd. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Jake. It, I look forward to this. It, it's a pleasure to be on here and, and we'll see if we can answer some questions or, or maybe uh, create some new ones. That's right. Uh, always the opportunity to create new questions. Uh, can you please provide us with a little more background about yourself before we get into uh, some of the details of the podcast and, and maybe discuss a little bit about your involvement in the U.S. sheep industry, please? I can certainly do that. So, uh, most people that know me personally know that I basically grew up in the land of academia. Uh, my dad was a herdsman at University of Wyoming, dating back there to 1975, retired in 2003. So I grew up in Laramie, Wyoming, uh, basically lived on the research farm there. Uh, upon graduation, I spent a couple of years in junior college on a judging scholarship, but then ultimately went back and received a bachelor's at University of Wyoming. Uh, worked with dad while I was in, in school. Uh, once that completed, I uh, got into the program at Texas A&M and managed their sheep unit in College Station, worked with Sean Ramsey for seven years, uh, received a master's degree there before I came to Wisconsin in 2001. So I've basically been here for 22 years and and have, have been raising sheep for a university operation pretty much my whole life, so to speak. So Yeah, that's great. Thank you. So we'll get into more of the specifics, but just in general, how much of a positive impact has keeping detailed records impacted your personal flock or the flock at the various sheep centers, uh, including at, at uh, University of, of Wisconsin-Madison? You know, not only just from performance and, and, and you know, we, we've seen an uptake in, in being able to perform uh, or be able, being able to, to quickly record and, and check, you know, growth traits, carcass traits. Uh, wool traits, all those kind of things, but also look at health and production records, be able to to find those ewes in the lamin jugs that have got problems. I mean, those kind of things are just, you know, if you take a little bit of time to keep a little bit better track of, of issues that are created th from the day to day, you know, and, and look back at those records, you can get rid of problems quickly and, and not create more, so to speak, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Has there been any surprising benefits uh, or, or things that you learned uh, about uh, about your sheep or the flocks that maybe you didn't uh, even intend to know uh, when you started collecting records? You know, probably just looking back on the way dad kept records when I was a kid and, and even the way, you know, we keep we kept records when I first started doing this, uh, probably the biggest thing are those maternal, you know, things that 
downfalls in the jugs, keeping track of those ewes that are giving us issues at, at lambing or from lambing through weaning and, and getting rid of some of those. It, it sure makes life a whole lot easier when the, you know, especially moving from Texas where we were lambing in 90 degree weather to Wisconsin or, or 100 degree weather, even moving to Wisconsin where we might be lambing in 30 below, you know, it's not, it's nice to not have to go to the barn and deal with quite as many problems and spend hours out there freezing to death. So, uh, so that's probably the biggest thing. And then, like I said, just the, the general performance using, using genetic, you know, selecting on, on performance genetics and, uh, is, is I think been, been a huge, uh, positive for the record keeping that we've developed over the years. Okay, great. So I would like you to expand a little bit, uh, specifically on your position there, um, that you're at right now. Can you walk us through, uh, the production cycle of those use and maybe share with us the times, uh, where and, and when you collect records? Could do that. So, Coming to Wisconsin, you know, one thing I did have to learn, and even more so than at Texas A&M and University of Wyoming, um, you know, probably the biggest thing that we've had to had to really step up, or I had to learn to step up, was was treatment records. Um, you know, everything from vaccination protocols and programs to keeping track of any animal that was sick, specifically what we gave them, how much we gave them, keeping a better track of withdrawal days than what maybe we even even do. You know, some of us get a little bit complacent in, in our personal flocks and we treat an animal, you know, we, we, we try to remember what we treated it, but maybe it doesn't always get written down or get recorded in a database or anything like that. You know, with, with university systems, you're more required to do those things on a day-to-day basis. We have veterinarian oversight uh, we have uh, institutional use and, and care committees that, that keep track of all of that stuff for us. Um, you know, not so much that we're, we're necessarily keeping track of our exact drug inventories or anything like that, which is probably the next step that we're going to see in the future. Uh, but just making sure that we're keeping good records of, of what was done to an individual animal at an individual point in, in her in her program. So in terms of management, you know, most of our use, we lamb in the winter. Uh, the majority of our ewes are lambed in January, February, and March. So, of course, you know, it all starts there, uh, keeping birth dates, birth weights, um, uh, and, again, all the health records. If we vaccinate those lambs, that those records are kept. Anything we do to the ewe is kept. Turned out, you know, most of our ewes wait, raise those lambs through 30 days. Um, you know, there's not a lot done to the ewes, or not 30 days, I'm sorry, 60 days. Um, there's not a lot done to the use unless there's a, a something we have to have to interfere with during lambing. We do try to keep track of of uh, uh, assisting use what use need assisted uh, in the jugs. We make notes on other issues, any of those kind of things. Um, some of those, you know, those things that we keep track of that can help us decide what use we want to call post weaning. Um, and then, of course, the lambs are, are uh, recorded when we vaccinate them, at, usually at, you know, three to four weeks, two to three weeks before before weaning. Uh, weaning weights are taken, sorted off. Uh, are gone through and sorted. Um, you know, we just read it recently because of the GEMS project started to keep some of the extra data on, on utter health. Uh, body condition scores are becoming important, so we'll weigh those ewes at weaning. Um, we actually weigh the ewes before lambing now as well, just to kind of see where they're at and how much they learn lose from from lambing to weaning, um, and then the ewes go out on pasture and we start keeping track of everything on the lambs, and then of course in the fall when it becomes breeding season, uh, we will keep track of of dewormings through the summer. The other thing we keep track of is is you know we in Wisconsin we're moist and arid so we have internal parasite issues and we have foot scald issues, 
and I'm keeping better track of animals that we keep, we treat for foot scald and trying to go back through my records and sort and ones that get uh, routinely treated or have to be given a shot or have to have some sort of inter, inter you know, uh, some sort of interaction because of foot scald, those ewes might get a black mark and might think twice about keeping them for the next, you know, just trying to breed some, develop some natural resistance to those problems by doing it that way. So we're starting to, to push that pretty hard. Um, of course, we keep breeding records. We keep, you know, weights and, and body condition scores at breeding season. If we have to deworm them, uh, we are deworming as needed instead of on a routine basis. So that's, again, that's another another record that we want to keep track of. Um, you know, and then, of course, you know, we individually mate our rams. So we're trying to record breeding dates, trying to record, you know, how many times a U marks. I mean, like I said, it sounds like a lot of data and it, it gets to be a lot of data. And when I do start going sitting down at the computer, my help can get mad at me because I'm sitting there sorting through data for hours on end instead of helping them do things that they probably need help with. So, uh, but like I said, in general, it's it's weights and performance traits, health traits um, and pedigrees are probably the three, the three in a nutshell, uh, major things that we're trying to keep track of, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And yes, it, it does sound like a lot of data and that's okay. Uh, but that does lead me to my next question. Uh, how do you record those records? I mean, is that <laughs> written down or is there some technology that helps you? Um, so, so it's, it, it's evolved over the years from, from dad keeping track of, of uh, feed tags, feed bags, you know, he'd, he'd have a few ledgers that he'd keep everything handwritten records. And of course, if you're not careful, you know, a clipboard out in the barn gets pulled off and eaten by a U or something like that. And you lose half your data. And, you know, that still happens to me on occasion. Um, you know, I, in high school and in college, I took some, some computer classes and learned how to at least uh, be dangerous with Excel spreadsheets and some of those kind of things. So I developed a lot of Excel spreadsheets over the years that, uh, I kept a lot of this info on. And, and then, you know, once we moved to Wisconsin, I found some better, started to get into database programs and learned how to use the CU program that Mike Thoney put together years ago at Cornell, uh, adapted that a little bit for our system here, um, and then stepped it up even further here in about 2017, 2018, we invested in the Shearwell program, the electronic ID tags and the FarmWorks software. That's not perfect, and we can go into that a little bit later, but, you know, it, it definitely has helped speed up and streamline the data collection process. Um, there's still some issues I have with it and using and, and massaging the data like I want, but uh, but for the most part, it's it's helped uh, control some of the, the data quality, so to speak, because it's more instantaneous than trying to write it down and then transfer it to a computer spreadsheet over time. So it, it just goes a little quicker that way. Sure. Absolutely. So you do have, uh, you know, you listed a number of, of health data points or, or health records that you collect, and then obviously some performance records, breeding, uh, lamb growth, lamb, you know, production number, uh, number born, number weaned, etc. How do you balance or prioritize health and performance records um, and, and, you know, what kind of management decisions might you make based off of that information? So we're still doing most of our selection criteria in terms of replacement ewe lambs and stud bucks that we want to keep or buck lambs we want to keep and grow out based on performance records for the most part, maybe some on pedigree. Um, but it's still ultimately, you know, the, the, the genetics that are, that are, if it's the hamps, we're looking for the genetics are producing fast growing, heavy muscle, lean lambs. If it's the polypase, you know, we're putting some emphasis on, 
um, on the, the maternal traits, the, the number born, and more specific, probably the number weaned and the weaning weights. And then, of course, we put a little emphasis on the fleece traits on the target flock that we have here at the unit. Same can be said for our personal flock, although, although that's more of a still kind of a hobby show ring flock that my kids have developed and still like to show. And of course, as everybody knows, the, the show ring is probably a little different than the than the production aspect in terms of what they're selecting for. But uh, ultimately, it's still on those things. And then as far as the health things, you know, that's what we use as probably our U culling criteria is, like I said earlier, if we have U's that have problems with foot rot or foot scald or U's that are are chronically dewormed or all those kind of things, you know, even on attitude, I'll write down a U that's a knothead in the jugs and and look pretty close at weaning whether or not it's worth keeping her another year and and make some some culling decisions on health on the use for for, for that mark that mark uh, matter okay yeah and so you mentioned your personal flock is there anything that you do uh, collect or, or do differently with with those animals at your house the as opposed to those at the sheep unit Probably everything there is just still a step behind the sheep unit. You know, we haven't invested in the electronic ear tags yet. We haven't invested in the in the database programs. Pretty much the personal flock is all still on Excel spreadsheets, and I need to step that up a little bit. We've gotten too big for, for keeping those kind of records, and I need to step that up a little bit. But for the most part, we keep the same information, probably not at the level I keep at the university level. Um, but we still keep the same performance data. Uh, most of those flocks are also enrolled in NSIP, so we still keep the, the same pr- production records on most of those ewes that we do on the other flocks, um, you know, and, and, you know, still try to keep track of the pedigrees the same way, the breeding records the same way. The health records is probably one thing that we're not quite as, we're getting better, but we're still not quite up to, to university standards in our personal flock on the health records, if that makes sense. Sure. So. Yeah. And this next question, you, know, you can be as, as specific as you feel comfortable with, but whether it's it's your personal flock or the university flock, what do you estimate the cost is or the costs are uh, of collecting some of these records that you've mentioned? Well, again, the, the main cost is going to be just the extra labor to select or to collect that and then put it in the computer and then massage it after you get it in the computer and do the sorts. And and I probably spend more. I'm probably not as efficient doing that labor wise as what I could be. But um, but at the same time, I'm kind of a number junkie and like to play around with it. So um, honestly, the cost, I mean, there's a pretty good initial outlay with the Shearwell system and the, and the farmwork software that first year. And then, you know, the, the tags are, are not cheap, but they're not overly expensive for what they're, they're good for either. So, you know, I, I haven't really sat down and figured out an exact cost because I spend so much extra time looking at things that I probably don't necessarily have to, and it's kind of hard to do, but, um, you know, so it's, it's going to differ for everybody, but in the long run, I think in the, in the data, the amount of data that you can collect quickly, and then the things that you can do with it, you know, I, I think it all pays off in the, in the long run, if, if that makes sense. Yeah. That, yeah. I was going to make that comment that it seems like for you, these input costs, uh, of technology and labor and time, et cetera, uh, they end up being a net positive. Uh, yes, definitely. I, yeah, I definitely think in terms of selecting animals with better performance and then getting rid of those sheep that cause problems, you know, by keeping those records, you know, you can you can tend to forget that stuff, especially as we get older, which, you know, I'm getting older. I'm wearing the glasses now and, I, you know, reading ear tags could be a problem. So that's where the Shearwell stuff all comes into into play. And, 
you know, and then just having that stuff recorded somewhere where you can go back and look at it and not have to try to remember it in the back of your head and, and say, oh, yeah, that you is a problem. We ought to get rid of her. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. So speaking of the share well, whether that's the, the handheld reader or the tags themselves, just, you know, the whole management system, um, I, I'd like to ask you to share with us some of the more specifics uh, of what you really like about that system and, and how it's it's helped you. Yeah. You know, the, the biggest reason that I invested in it is just because of the mass amount of data, you know, weight records, treatment records and things like that, that we were keeping here at the university. You know, it, it actually helped me probably reduce labor for a while because I didn't have to have that second or third person there recording. And I also didn't have to worry about having young eyes there to read the ear tags. And, you know, I could do it more quickly myself right there shoot side just going through and if we were vaccinating or we were doing weights all of that stuff was generated automatically saved to the to the the reader and then downloaded the computer pretty quickly and and i think it it helped lower the the labor cost to begin with and also the number of mistakes that were made in transposing you know tag errors and and some of those kind of things so uh so i think that was that was the the biggest benefit like i said the you know, my wife and I usually do our, our recording and, and did a lot of the work, you know, shoot side and I'd read a tag number. Well, I ever got that tag. So then I have to go back and figure out where, who I screwed up and, and we still have those same issues, but not near like we used to have. So right. what, what other recording systems have you maybe tried out or, or looked into and, and had experience <laughs> with uh, and, and maybe some pros and cons of, of those? So when I about halfway through the first 10 years or so I was here, uh, we did look at just using the, the CU program of, of, of uh, Mike Thoman. There was kind of a, a push in the university system to get everybody's database on the same, uh, the beef unit, the swine unit, poultry, even the, the rats and mice on campus. Uh, we tried some different databases and different uh, electronic ID systems through Allflex and some of the different readers and tried to get everything to mesh together. Uh, but that lasted for about two or three years and all the herdsmen were getting growly with each other because it just wasn't working, wasn't tying everything together. So uh, so that didn't work real well. Um, I We did have my CU program working to where we could patch a, a tag reader into that database and, and re record some things there. But we were finding mistakes. It wasn't working quite like we wanted it to. So we kind of discontinued that. So I just went back to hand entering again. And, and then when, you know, when, when I, I first demoed the Shearwell system, I thought, well, I think I can make this work. And I think even I could maybe sell this to the beef unit as well, and which I wasn't able to do. But um, but uh, but at the same time, it's it's been probably the most the I guess the most usable one for me. Uh, I know there's others out there. You know, I know there's a lot of other electronic ID systems out there. Um, I haven't gotten into the, you know, I've used some of the, some of the uh, apps on my cell phone for a personal flock. We've tried Herd Boss. We've tried a few of those others. It just takes time to learn how to use them and, and use them a, a, accordingly. Um, you know, there's a couple of the newer ones. Um, I can't remember what the new one was at ASI this year that, uh, my son's kind of been playing with a little bit, but we haven't gotten heavily involved into it yet on our personal flock. But it's something that that we need to look at a little bit better where there's three or four of us going over there and taking care of sheep over there. If we could come up with one of these uh, cell phone devices, these apps on the cell phone that we can all sync together and do a better job of working together over there, I think it would be be awesome, but it's, yeah. it's something we just haven't haven't had time to sit down and work on yet. Maybe so something kind of cloud based or, or something you could yeah record yep. stuff instantaneously. Yep. Yeah, yep. exactly. Yeah. So this might seem like a an, an odd question, uh, but 
using the Shearwell system and, and all the other ones that you've tried over the time, um, do you think that there still is a, a small error rate in the records that you keep? Uh, I ask this because, um, you know, I, I feel like there's probably a, a thought that um, if you start collecting data and start using some of these technologies, that it's going to eliminate all the problems that you have uh, and that your records are going to be perfect. And so I'm wondering if, if that's the case for you. No, there's nothing that's perfect as far as I can tell. I mean, it's, you know, as, as, as good as it gets, there's still errors that are made. You know, we still have, um, probably one of the biggest errors is that first time we put that tag in, if we, if we type something in wrong or we, you know, and then we come back, you know, uh, three weeks later and read that animal again and think, well, the AEID tag doesn't match up with the visual tag or doesn't match up with the, you know, so there's, there's still errors. It's only as good as the person operating the equipment a lot of times and, and mistakes can still be made. And, and, you know, if you're not careful, you can have, uh, you know, equipment crashes too that can create issues. You got to make sure that you're, you're keeping that routinely backed up and saved somewhere where it's safe and, you know, because there's nothing worse than having a computer lock up on you and not be able to get your data out and, and some of those kind of things. So it's not by any means a perfect, uh, you know, system, but I think it, it definitely for us has lowered the amount of mistakes that are made. It just it's not going to make it 100 percent. You're still going to have problems. Sure. Absolutely. So for involvement in NSIP, especially with the university flock, uh, data eventually needs to make its way into pedigree master. Uh, and, and so for our listeners that maybe aren't NSIP members, can you explain a little bit about kind of that flow of records that you take from shoot side or, or from the scale uh, all the way to where it eventually makes its way into NSIP breeding values? So I, I know there are simpler ways to do it than what I do. Um, I know sure. Well, if you get it set up correctly in the FarmWorks program, if you get it set up correctly, you can export your data directly into a format that will upload into Pedigree Master. Um, and that's something that, you know, everybody knows Dan is, is the Shearwell rep. And we've talked a couple of times to, to Dan. I've talked to Dan a couple of times about helping me get that done, but we've got a piece of data somewhere in my system that's not working correctly to make it talk back and forth. So I still download it as, as you know, out of, out of Pedigree Master, out of uh, Shearwell, out of FarmWorks, download it and, and create an Excel spreadsheet. And then I can massage it and make it all fit and upload it into, into uh, Pedigree Master. But that takes somebody that's got a little bit of computer knowledge. Uh, I have done enough just to be dangerous enough to make it either work or screw it up really bad and have to start over again either way. But, uh, uh, but typically I can make an Excel spreadsheet and upload all that information into Pedigree Master. So there's that step in between um, that I know that the FarmWorks program can do a better job of doing. I just haven't figured out how to make it work for me yet. So, um, so like I said, it's, it's not a, it's not a simple flow for me. Um, but you know, for most people, if you've got a smaller flock, putting it directly into Pedigree Master will work just fine. Um, some of the larger flocks that I've I've helped mentor over the years, I've built them an Excel spreadsheet where they can type their data in, and then I can help them uh, upload that into Pedigree Master and ultimately get it set sent to to Lamb Plan to get the data run. So uh, it's it's a, it's definitely a process, and and I know some people are scared of it. Uh, some people really struggle with it, but like I said, I've and, I've, and I know some other mentors that are that have helped build Excel spreadsheets that can help ease the flow of that data a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, through the the trial and error that you've experienced, uh, do you have any 
specifics maybe in that that spreadsheet building process or the headings or whatnot uh, do you have any specific advice on how to collect the records or input those records that has made it a little bit more smooth for you oh you know i don't know i mean paying attention to those headings is the biggest thing is because they've got to match up and and you can create a spreadsheet directly out of uh, you can actually download your data out of Pedigree Master, uh, fill in the, you know, so that you get the columns and everything correctly, fill in the columns that you need. But when you do that, be careful because you will get about 250 columns and you're only going to need about, you know, 15 or 20, maybe 25 of them. So, so sorting through all of those, you know, is, is a little challenging to figure out where to put your data. Uh, and then understanding those too. I mean, I think that is, I think there's some, some, uh, uh, references out there that help you understand what those column headers are and, and which ones are important for your system. I mean, if it's a, if it's a, a terminal sire breed, you know, cr- creating or just, just weaning weights, post weaning weights, and then the, the scan data are the, the most critical ones, um, you know, and then making sure that you have the birth dates and, and then your contemporary group codes are, those are, those I find are challenging for people too, trying to understand, well, what is a contemporary group? You know, how do I set my contemporary groups up? Smaller flocks, you're going to have a tougher time probably with that than larger flocks, just because you want to keep your your contemporary groups as big as possible. And, and you know, the smaller flocks just don't have the opportunity to make big enough. And we struggle with that here, too, because in research projects, we'll have, you know, 10 ewes that will be bred to or we'll have 100 ewes that are bred to 10 different rams. So that doesn't make very good contemporary groups sometimes either. But but that's, you know, when you when you deal with a research operation, those are some of the things that you have to deal with. So. Advice wise, you know, try to try not to try not to create it any tougher than it needs yeah. to be. Try to keep it simple. Um, even if you make your own spreadsheets with your own columns that you understand, put your data in and send it to one of us that's a mentor or something like that, and let us kind of you know try to in, extrapolate it into what Pedigree Master needs. You know, I think there are some some people out there that can help you do that. Um, you know, putting in putting in data that is handwritten kind of gets a challenge, but if you can do it, some of your, your own data, uh, at your computer, even if you don't want to deal with the, you know, with your, if you want to deal with your own spreadsheet and then send us your data, you know, we can maybe help. Some of us can help you out with that. I'm not volunteering by any means. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't need to get 200 calls now, but, but uh, I have helped a few people. Sure. So, so maybe thinking back to, uh, some of our, our non NSIP specific data, uh, you know, in your experience, have you ever found yourself collecting too many records or, or too much information? And, and if so, what kind of complications did that create? Probably the biggest one that we take way too much is we probably weigh too often and record all those weights. And then I got to sort through it, figure out, okay, do I want to use this weight? Do I want to use, you know, I mean, because that's probably the easiest one when we're, when we're running sheep through and I want to create an inventory to see who's in there. The easiest thing to do is to run them across the scale and save the weight. So, you know, lambs from weaning to, to market may get weighed 25 times. And then I got to sort through all those weights and figure out, do I really need this one or, you know, so, so that can be an issue. Um, other than that, I mean, I don't know as if there's any other, maybe, maybe breeding marks or something like that, that I might collect and, and create too big a file for, but, uh, um, but for the most part, it's probably just weight records is the biggest one that I probably create too big, a too big a mess with that. And that's, like I said, just because with research and with, Everything we do here, we run them across the scale pretty often. Right. Yeah. Well, I'll be honest. I, I asked that question with some of our larger 
Western range flocks in mind. Right. If you have thousands of head uh, and um, you know your your labor resources are, are maybe a little bit limited, how do you prioritize which records to keep um, so that you're not just spending you know all day or days on end collecting information that you may not end up using in the end? Well, and, and I think those Western, I mean, I gotta, I gotta be honest, I'm probably guilty of thinking I'm bigger than I really am. And, you know, we only run about 250 U's and you start talking about thousands of U's. I mean, I think from an inventory basis and, and at least trying to keep, you know, lambing records this year, wean two lambs or this year, you know, gave birth to three and wean two or, or, you know, wean had two and, and weaned one or didn't wean any at all. You know, those bigger flocks, those are probably the biggest things that they need to try to keep track of. And, and if they can, you know, collect a, a, you know, an initial weight or a, a weaning weight and, and a post weaning weight if they're keeping them and feeding them for a while. You know, those are probably the, the things that are going to help them the most. And, um, you know, and, and I think that number born, number weaned and those weaning and, and weights are probably the biggest things that they need to try to try to collect. Um, health records for them, you know, maybe a little bit tougher. Um, you know, and, and most of those are probably not treating like we do in a farm flock situation anyway. So, um, you know, so other than that, I mean, I guess I'm not real helpful on those bigger flocks on, on what to collect. And if they're, you know, if they're, uh, you know, a, a labor issue there, I mean, I, I think from an inventory standpoint, just being able to click on them and knowing, okay, all of these use came through today. Um, where did this one go? You know, and knowing that how, what their loss is that way as well. If they right. check them today and check them six months later, you know, they can, oh, we lost a bunch of use somewhere. Where, where are they at and, and what happens? So, right. I mean, I, I think that the, the systems are allowing them to keep better, better track of those kind of issues now. But, um, but again, that's, you know, that's, I think, something that they can benefit from. Sure. So, well, from your perspective, do you think that there's some, um some further technology that you'd like to see created or, or Im- implemented at the farm or ranch or even large, you know, large scale commercial operation level um, that could really help in data capture, you know, some technology that maybe we, we either don't have now or is just not widely used. You know, I think just utilizing what's there right now is a step in the right direction, especially as we move into more, uh, keeping track of antibiotic use and and health health issues with these sheep, I think keeping track of as I said earlier the the multiple treatments of of different sheep and things like that I think will be huge. And then I think just just continually trying to make the 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 systems that we have uh, more readily available, more cost effective, and and probably easier for. Um, people that don't have a technology background quite as much as maybe you and I do, you know, just making it easier for general producers to use it and, and more user friendly for some of them. I mean, I think that that's you know, one of the biggest problems with a lot of it. And it's not just the sheep industry. It's just, you know, technology in general. I think that technology thinks everybody's keeping up with them as fast as they really maybe necessarily aren't necessarily. And, and then people get frustrated and just throw it away and quit using it. So, uh, so I think just keeping that in mind that, you know, we're catching up as a, as a society, but we're not there yet. And, and you know, and, and I think, uh, you know, technology is a good thing, but it can also be a, a detriment and, you know, cause people to get frustrated and, and, you know, not utilize it just because it's, they don't understand it, so to speak, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, absolutely. You know, is there a specific sheet measurement or, or data point that you can think of that, uh, you feel is, is probably important 
but you've just have never really been able to to capture over the years and and you would maybe like to at some point? You know, I, like I said, I don't know as if it's one that I'd like to start capturing, but one that I have, I mean, like I said, this, this health issue and this, this, uh, trying to pick out these chronics and getting rid of them, I think is, is the one that I need to keep more, more consistent. You know, it's helped me here at the university flock. It's something that I want to incorporate into our personal flock as my wife and I start doing more of the labor. We don't want to have to deal with problems. So, um, so that's probably the biggest data point is those, those reoccurring health issues that continually pop up and you don't necessarily get rid of them right away. Uh, I think we need to start doing more on that. Um, and then just to continue to, to grow the genetic side of it and, you know, keeping track of those performance traits and, and relating them back to their ancestors and their genetics and the, you know, the genomic stuff that we're working on now, I think is super cool. And, you know, and if we can get some of this, this resiliency stuff figured out that we're working on with the GEMS project, uh, you know, I think those will be huge for the sheep industry and, and even other livestock industries going forward, if they can, can incorporate some of the technologies that we're working on there. Um, you know, and, and just making an animal that's easier, easier to take care of and does more of it on their own, like they're supposed to. And, and, you know, take out the, some of the created issues that as producers we've made over the years, if we can back up and, you know, make them be animals like they're supposed to be. Yeah. Well, we're, we're going to start winding down here, but, uh, do you have a a piece of advice or or something from our discussion today that you would really like our listeners to, to take away? The biggest thing is, is probably don't listen to me and think you got to collect all the data that we collect, you know, pick out the pieces and parts that I think are important to you. Uh, things that you haven't been collecting from at this point that you think will help you going forward and just kind of build your program from there. And once you get comfortable collecting a piece of data and it works for you, you know, if there's another one you think that'll benefit, add to it, but don't try to jump in and, and collect or do all of this all at once. Um, you know, when, when I got hired here, one of the, one of the interviewers that interviewed me said that I came across as a, a kind of a computer geek, I guess, that was going to step up the system of collecting records and keeping data. And, and that was one of the things that they liked about, you know, my interview, I guess, was that they thought I could handle this. And I've probably, you know, took that maybe to a step too much to where I do sit here and probably play around with too much data, but, but I, I like to sort through it and see who's doing what and, and, you know, making management issues, making sale decisions. Um, you know, now we've incorporated all the DNA, the, the <laughs> genetic defects, things that there's about 14 of them that you can select for or against now. And, you know, so that gets to be another added tool or another, you know, issue that we got to deal with. So, uh, just try to keep it simple to start and build from there. Don't try to do it all at once because you will get overwhelmed. Right. Absolutely. So, or can get overwhelmed. I didn't say will, but. Well, Todd, uh, I, I want to, again, say a, a big thank you for you taking the time to to answer my questions and, and be open with our, our listeners and our audience uh, about the various tools and, and techniques that you do um, use to collect uh, sheep data. So thank you for being on the podcast. You're welcome. Thank you for inviting me. Sure. Listeners, uh, also a big thanks to you for joining us and uh, allowing our discussion to fill a portion of your time in the barn or commute to work. Uh, I kindly request that you share this episode on your social media pages to help us reach more industry members. Uh, But until next time, please remember to eat lamb and wear wool. In fact, why don't you just go ahead and write that down? Have a nice day.